Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. Stuart Bell here, and today I'll catch up with Betsy Vaughan. It's the beginning of the year. We're going to do a quick session on what we think 2023 looks like for everyone. Over the Christmas and New Year break, it was really quite interesting because a couple of I was following along with a couple of things that other people were doing. So for example, Gary Vaynerchuk has been talking about 2023 as the year of content for, I think, all of 2022. ChatGTP, there's a lot of attention on that at the moment because of its ability to create reasonably good content quickly. I was following along this last week with a program that Frank Kern was talking about and how that was amplifying medium-length content potentially created by ChatGTP, although that really wasn't the point. It was this, the point really was that Facebook has an arbitrage opportunity at the moment for very cheaply displaying this kind of medium form content to people. So all of those things came together and really it's now is the time to get off the fence and get something written because it will give you a jump start on this kind of tsunami of AI content that might be coming down the track. So if you've been thinking about creating a book and you've got an idea to start with, or even if you haven't, we kind of wrap up by giving a almost step-by-step framework to how to do something, then now really is the time to make that move. So with that, let's get to the show. Betsy Vaughan, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Glad to be here. I know, right? It's uh, the holidays went fast. I don't know if everyone had the same experience, but it seemed to jump from Thanksgiving to the what we know, the sixth of January before you before I realized it. But we know what we're gonna do it all over again. <laughs> the year goes fast. So right. yes. Glad Hopefully back with in routine. I know, right? Yeah, hit that normal stride. So we've done a few guest podcasts recently, so you and I haven't got a chance to catch up on the show. So I thought the first of the year would be a great opportunity to just set the scene for the year ahead. And also, there's been quite a few developments over the last couple of months that I think is really will really feed into this episode because... 2023, I think it's really the time for people to get off the fence. If you've been thinking about writing a book or if you've had any idea that a book is a good thing to do, even if you don't have a strong idea of what you want to do, then I really think that this year it's is the time to do it because we're at a point where if you don't, it's not that you can't do it in the future, but from a content perspective, you're really going to get left behind. So a couple of things over the last few weeks that I thought I'd run through, but that seems like a good thing to talk about today. I think so. I think you're right. I think we're seeing, you know, like right now we have this, a lot of these foot and ankle doctors and it's like, they're all rushing to get a book out. They all want to be a part of it. You know, it's their peers are doing it. Their colleagues are doing it. Their competition is doing it. And so I think we're seeing, you know, people, there's a sense of urgency, like, okay, it's my turn. I've been thinking about this for five years or, you know, (laughs) whatever. My favorite, you know, I hear that pretty much every day, you know, I've been thinking about this for five years. So when you stop and think, wow, what could I have done in five years with right. this great content, you know, like, yeah. man, what would my business be today? So 2023 it is, I think, for yeah. a lot of people. So a couple of things that had happened over the last few weeks, I just made a list as we were kind of planning for the show, because it really was that coming together of all of these elements from lots of different sources was the kind of genesis for this show. So one of the big things that 
it'll be interesting to see how this is years down the track. So if people are listening to this in a couple of years' time, it'll be really interesting to see where we are. But in the last couple of months, ChatGTP just launched as part of the OpenAI initiative. So for anyone who unbelievably hasn't heard about this before, because it really seems to be everywhere in the last couple of weeks, this is the OpenAI project which is a machine learning AI initiative. They've got lots of different touch points into their world. So DALI was an image generating tool that was getting a lot of traction over the summer as a you type in some instructions. So create an image of a mountain with a polar bear ice skating and it will create something like that and then ask it to be in the style of Monet or in the style of Disney and it will kind of tweak it so that it looks like that. So really quite fantastic image generation stuff. And ChatGTP was a language-based model that was kind of like a natural language interface to their learning backend. So you can ask it to create an article about email mastery, email marketing in the style of Dean Jackson. And we tested that out a couple of weeks ago. And it's really quite accurate, even down to the tone and the language. So you could do it in the style of Joe Biden or Donald Trump or um, anyone from history, write a sonnet about this subject or a haiku about that subject. So it's got a lot of traction because it is astonishingly good. And it's got a context-based learning model so that you can ask it to refine as part of the the ongoing conversation. You can say, well, give me more of this or less of that, or include bullets or give me references. So the reason why this is important, I think, is because it's not perfect, but it's very good. So when we think back to what Gary Vaynerchuk was saying all through 2022, content is going to be king. The people who get left behind in the content game, and to a certain degree, he's talking a little bit more about social media, but the people who get left behind in the content game will get increasingly left behind. Now with the advent of chat GTP, I think what you're going to see is an explosion of relatively good content. So not perfect, but as people see this as an easy way to create stuff and push it out, the volume of content out there, which is kind of good enough, is just going to explode. So if you're not putting anything out, you're really going to get left behind because the when the tide rises, it floats all boats. Everything is going to get lifted up by this. The opportunity that you've got with the book or with your idea for the book is from the seed piece of content, you can create a year's worth of content. So for one of our financial clients, we just wrote a series of emails, which will keep them going. There's a year's worth of content. The majority of it came from the two or three books that they've done with us in the past. Some of it came from other stuff. But this idea of the seed piece of content allowing you to create good stuff that refers back to this kind of tentpole piece, excuse me, this is really the opportunity. So the fact that you've got stuff that's written that's better than ChatGTP that you can take and break out into regular content, a year's worth of evergreen content, I really think that if you miss the boat, you're going to be playing catch up in a difficult way.
Yeah. I, the idea, because a lot of times people will say, you know, what do I do with this book? And when I'm finished with it, excuse me, but just that alone, I mean, the content is giving you weekly emails or, you know, monthly emails. I mean, that you can go back to and not have to reinvent the wheel, you know? So it's an, it's another way to think about it. You know, it's like a double bang for your buck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the other thing on the whole AI side of things is we often talk about the content of the book itself isn't the product. So don't get too hung up on the content itself. It needs to be good enough that it's not bad, but it doesn't need to be, you're not writing a novel, you're not writing something for entertainment, you're just writing people, writing something for people as a step to, to take the next step. I mean, there is a situation, I mean, give it three years, when you look at self-driving and the the Tesla model of what the vehicles could do, if you go back five years, you're probably in a slightly enhanced autopilot. Sorry, enhanced. What's the word I'm looking for? What's the name of cruise control? <laughs> it's you kind of at an enhanced cruise control level. Now with full self-driving, I mean, it's definitely not getting the vehicle and go to sleep in the back and wake up in Miami, but it's very good. You look at some of the FSD YouTube videos about how it handles some really quite complicated situations. So you can imagine a scenario in five years' time where the whole book writing world is really on its head in terms of what's being created. And that's something that we're aware of as a provider. How can we kind of utilize some of this technology to help people going forwards? But again, 2023 is going to be a watershed moment. Creating a book this year is going to be very different from creating a book in three years' time because of the ease in which other people can do it. So we've always said that we're a marketing company. We happen to use books because at this moment in time, there's the benefit of all of the light that gets created from having a book. There's still an authority that goes along with it. But our model makes it easier to create because we're kind of breaking that idea that the book is the product. We're making or refining the point that get something out there and lead people towards, say, an outcome. But when you think about an AI world and being able to create multiple versions of a book or even your book for multiple different audiences, I mean, there's an option, There's a way of thinking about it that's all doom and gloom. And, okay, this is just going to be something that someone can rattle off and tool and press one button and it's done. But there's still a qualitative element to yeah. it. And being able to ask the right questions and present it in the right way is still the key differentiator. It's just the production side of it becomes much, the barrier to entry becomes much lower. But you can imagine a world, so we've got a number of clients who've written several versions of their books for different niches. You can imagine a world where you've written a good version of the book. It's unique because it's in your it's your take on the world. It's married to your model. And the purpose is to bring people from outside unknown prospects who are interested in your subject to specifically your way of doing it and then bringing them into your world. So you can imagine writing one version and then having the AI tailor it for different audiences. So it's definitely not all doom and gloom. There's a power multiplier that can that you can leverage from the thing that you've created. But, but yeah, definitely we live in interesting times for sure. Absolutely. There's so many opportunities at our fingertips, you know, just 
you hear generations that might be older than us say, oh, you know, these, I wish things were like the good old days, but it's like, really, we have so much at our fingertips Mm -hmm. with technology and so many more opportunities. And even I think about kids who are younger than, you know, people that are younger than us, that next generation, they have, I mean, there's no reason why you can't have some success, you know, I mean, it's just handed to them almost, you know, so yeah, yeah. Or the accessibility to the tools that were very difficult in the past to do. I mean, there's really no, there's no reason. I mean, getting it in front of an audience is a challenge. And if you don't have money to put behind it, then you've got to put legwork behind it. But if you're willing to put that legwork in, imagine a scenario where, well, we had a call, we had a call, I had a call with someone it was probably the summer last year. And actually I probably should check back in. In fact, I'm going to make myself a note, make myself a note just to reach back out afterwards. But I had a strategy call with someone who they just jumped on the calendar. They've gone through the book blueprint scorecards to kind of refine their book idea. Young guy didn't have the funds to, to use us, but I mean, I'm, more than happy to jump on a strategy call and give pointers about refining this product. So that was someone who had an approach, had a pretty unique take on something, was willing to do the legwork themselves to create something. And then we were talking about the strategy of getting it in front of audiences. So, I mean, tools are out there to to use and utilize and a lot of them for free or very inexpensive or you could make the most of free trials i was talking to someone yesterday about the podcast service that we've got and how that tied in with the books so the books are the lead generation piece at the top of the funnel it's the best way of engaging an audience in a kind of all giving way hey, here's an ad for something that you're interested in. Here's a snippet of information to help you. And here's a book that you can get for free to continue the journey, which leads to a call to action. So we were describing the book funnel, the initial autoresponder is engaging that smaller subset of people who are ready to go today. But the podcast is the long-term way of staying in touch with them so that whenever they're ready further down the track, you've been able to send them something recently that reminds them that you exist as opposed to someone else exists. So the whole idea of being able to create something and the fact that podcasts are to a certain degree where video was maybe five years ago. So on the outside, people think about creating a podcast and they still think about, they just assume it's a whole load of overhead because when they think about podcasts, a lot of the lay public out there are thinking about Joe Rogan or the NPR shows. And I think that I was had done some research on it because I was talking to someone about it. So the numbers stick in my mind, but NPR shows, I think they're $10,000 per produced minute. I mean, the barrier to entry on that is not insignificant. That's a lot. But yeah, when we think about the way that we create podcasts, like we're doing now, a Zoom account is a couple of dollars a month. The production in the background, either you can pay us to do it and we'll take care of all of it, but that costs some money. Or if you don't have the money, but you've got time, there are tools out there that you can do it yourself. Obviously it's like writing a book. There are tools out there that you can do it yourself, but it's a lot of mental overhead to get it done. If the value of your time is more than the time it would take to, or the cost of the time it would take to do it, then just pay someone else to do it. But there's definitely free tools. 
So the comparison I made with video and podcasts is five years ago, when people thought about creating videos in a business sense, there was a lot of kind of DIY YouTube stuff out there. But from a business sense, people were still thinking about going to production companies and getting people in and shooting something professionally and kind of awkwardly talking to camera and trying to read off an auto cue thing. Whereas now a lot of the corporate videos that are out there, the business videos that are out there are still people doing kind of selfie stuff to camera and just doing gonzo type in the moment. But with podcasts, it's still not quite at that point yet. People don't necessarily think about doing what we're doing now and having a podcast created out in the back of it. So yeah, that, that accessibility to create content and the model and the reason for doing it now I mean, it's just so, I think the people who jump in 23, as opposed to those who jump in 25, they're going to be an advantage. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was thinking about, I spent way too much time on TikTok recently. And some of these, you know, content creators, which, you know, who would have thought 10 years ago that was a job. Uh, (laughs) There's one specific, I, I kept hearing, and some of it must come from Gary, but they all keep saying like my goal in 2023 is to create more content. I mean, if I heard it once yesterday, there was, you know, 25 of the, and these are not people who like one, one girl, she's a stay at home mom and she talks about her life and she talks about different products. She's not, you know, she said she wants to be able to make a job out of this, you know, to be paid to help. And, you know, you think about, like, I mean, really, she's a stay-at-home mom. She talks about changing her kid's diaper, but she's talking <laughs> about creating content. And um, and there was 25 of those, at least yesterday. 2023 is a year to create content. I'm going to get more content out for my, you know, up for my followers. I'm going to make money off of this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give you, what do you want? What do you want? What kind of content do you want? Lots of that, you know, yes. lots of what kind of content do you want? You know, so it is a very interesting time and it really will be interesting to see what happens in 2023 you know with yeah you know doing more and yeah i think that's it i can see the puppies behind you (laughs) um you're gonna get either attacked or licked (laughs) right the i think one of the things is the ability to create content is getting easier and easier from a technical perspective, the overhead, the mental overhead of doing it is still a challenge. So we're kind of at a point where we're crossing that threshold between the problem being the capability of doing it, like technically the capability of doing it, that gap's getting smaller and smaller now. So yes, the the baseline has increased slightly. The production value of everyone's stuff across the board is slightly higher now than it was before, but the technology, the ability to do it is much easier than it was a few years ago. So we're kind of passing that point of the technical constraints of how do I do it? That's almost a solved problem. The challenge that a lot of people still have is the vision and the structure, the strategy around what to do. It's still difficult to think about what should be created. So that's really the value that we provide on the podcast side of things and the book side of things. Like, I know I should do it. What should I do? That's a question that we answer a lot. The difficulty for 
people who don't solve that problem either themselves or by working with someone like us is that other people are going to do it. And in a couple of years' time, if you're starting from zero at that point, that's a challenging place to to come from. Again, not impossible because every day there are going to be people coming in, but challenging. One of the I've got two other things that I'd kind of written down as points to touch on. And then maybe we can wrap up by giving kind of an overall strategy of, okay, if I was talking to someone on a strategy call now and they just had a blank page of what would I do, quickly run through the things that we would do. So one of the other things that that I'd been following along in the last couple of days was Frank Kern had been putting out a, uh, he was basing it off again, an AI content type model, but really it's nothing to do with the AI piece. It's almost like a Facebook ad arbitrage opportunity that exists at the moment. So he had been inspired almost by ChatGTP as a tool to create medium form content, three to 500 word content quickly, using that as the jumping off point they'd been running Facebook ads for long form content that was almost like awareness campaigns. So a lot of the time we talk about Facebook ads as specific ads leading to lead forms and conversion based ads. So really trying to dial in the wide audience as specific as possible, but allowing Facebook to optimize for the conversions, for the opt-ins, because Facebook ads model, typically speaking, the more dialed in you try and get the audience, the more expensive it is. So if you're really dialing in, again, take the financial advisor model. If you're trying to find people 25 miles from where you operate, because you operate in an office, and you're trying to find people with uh, high net worth, over whatever Facebook's income gaps are and a relatively narrow age range, say from 50 to 60 to try and get that kind of, or 50 to 65 to get that kind of retiree sweet spot. And then maybe you've got some, you're going for male rather than female. Anyway, that gets a very expensive click because everyone else is trying to go for it. What Frank discovered in testing is that if you run at the moment, so I don't know how long this is going to work for, but at the moment, running wide awareness ads for long form content. So he was referring back to like the Ogilvy type ads from the 50s, which were very information based, almost like advertorials, we would now call them, uh, but given a lot of value and then just putting a URL in to click through to learn more, that traffic at the moment was very cheap compared with what you'd be paying in another world. And I think, I don't think he was saying it in the last couple of days, but I think one of the reasons is because everyone, it's an auction place at the end of the day. So while everyone else is focused on paying for tailored campaigns and conversions, the just broad awareness ads there's no, not so many people putting money into that. So that's why it's cheaper. So if we tie it back to, actually, let me share this. This is the Success Magazine ad. I've got this up because I was talking about it to someone the other day. Let me sh- get it up on screen. If I can drive my mouse. Let's move me across to the side. So if you're listening to just the audio of this, 
we've got the video on the podcast website. So follow the show notes to the podcast. And then on screen, I've got the nine word email success magazine ad that we ran with Dean. I mean, this must be five or six years ago. So this ad that was running a magazine talking about the nine word email is purely information-based. So Dean's approach, I think he describes it when he was talking about it. If someone only read this ad, I'm moving about a little bit weirdly on the camera, but anyway, if someone only read this ad, then they would get value from it. So it's written as an article. The article talks about the nine word email. The nine word email is a strategy that Dean has of a short, engaging email back out to the people who are on your list asking if they're still interested. So if you're on our list, as an example, I'm just going to move, I'm going to make me invisible for a second because it's juddering around on screen, driving me crazy. So yeah, the nine word email, a short email, re-engaging people who are on the list already. So if you're on our email list, you know that every month we send out an email saying, Hey, Betsy, are you ready to get started on your book this week? That's something that no one else does. It's a magic trick because if you've never done it before, you'll be surprised by how many people it re-engages. So the nine word email as a strategy is just one of several that's in the email mastery book. So the call to action is the email email mastery book. So you can imagine running a similar ad. Let me just come back on camera and get rid of this one. You can imagine running that type of ad. This is the exact type of thing that Frank's talking about, creating a medium-length information-based article that's run against Facebook that drives people back to an easy-to-remember or easy-to-type URL. And for us, the nine-word email is one of many that could be written based on that book. So this idea of being able to create multiple examples of medium form content that you can put out there for very cheap compared with other ads. The book is just a fantastic way of creating that source material and then having somewhere to lead people back towards. So anyway, that was the last example of something that had happened in the last couple of weeks that really, again, reinforced this idea that now is the time. That was a long explanation. I need to take a drink for a second. (laughs) No, I, uh, I still, I go back to, you know, maybe that's a selling point for me, you know, to say, hey, there's a lot of, you know, do this one thing and it's creating such an abundance of material for you, you know, and right. people get scared. The idea of having to come up with it, you know, having to come up with more and more, you know, and when it's right in front of you, our clients might use their book like that for, you know, the first couple of months. But then I think it kind of falls off and they're not, they're just looking at, here's the book, here's the book, this is the book, this is the book, but not talking about that valuable content that's on the inside. So there's definitely something to remember and to remind them of, you know, going forward. I think it's, I think it's because again, I was saying this maybe on a podcast or on a strategy call this week, um, it's almost like everyone took a couple of weeks off over the holidays and now everyone's back on. So my strategy calendar is getting pretty booked out for a couple of weeks now because everyone's kind of jumping on. But I was saying that it's easy to forget 
that the job of work, the job of work of the book isn't that you've got a book and you're trying to sell a book. The job of work of the book is to start conversations. And you've got so many ways of starting conversations by just using it as a reference point. So not using it not even using it itself, but just using it as something in the back in the background. So you could almost do with imagining. It's so difficult. I, we say this a lot to clients. Like people think, "Oh, what should I write about? I don't know what to write about." And then we'll talk through some ideas, and people kind of. It's almost like a revelation that these are subjects that could be talked about when really they're the basic levels of their business. It's the one hundred and one level because people forget how little other people know or they forget how much they know and it's subconscious it's kind of like i was i think i used the example of if you weren't a driving instructor but you were trying to teach someone to drive a stick shift car and it was the first time you'd done it you might have been driving this it's easy to say from the uk because everyone drives stick over there it's a little bit different here (laughs) but imagine that driving stick was just second nature you don't even have to think about it trying to explain that to someone and get out all of the subconscious things that are in your head about driving and explain that to someone. It's the same in whatever business that you do. It's all of those subconscious elements that people on the outside at the very top of the funnel just don't know yet. It's those things that are the valuable things, not the things 50 levels down the funnel. So it's the same when we're talking now. I mean, there's so many ways of using it that's kind of up here in in my head and they all plug in with each other. It's Sometimes it's difficult to get the easiest examples for people to think. But one way of thinking about it is almost imagine, okay, you've done the book. Now imagine that you no longer have the book. Like it's something that's there, but you've got a, it's in another place. So it belongs to someone else. Or you, the only thing that you can do is refer to it. You're not allowed to just use it itself. So in all of the material that you're creating, what would you do that referred to it that made sense? And that allows you to create derivative work based off the content. So you know how good the content is. You know the model of the content. You've created the table of contents, the chapters, the signposts that lead people to the call to action. So what can you write that talks about the stuff and not just refer to the stuff itself, if that makes sense? So I guess that leads into if someone was sat in front of me and said, okay, tell me exactly what to do, what would it be? So in the last kind of five or six minutes, maybe we should just run through those steps. And then as people are yeah. listening, you can either take that and do exactly that or take the pieces from it that are the most valuable to you. And I'll try and keep it a kind of a an easy to achieve level because there's 10 levels down on each of these elements yeah. that, that you could go into. But the starting point, if I did nothing else, what would I do? Then this is probably it. So the book itself is the starting place. So I would think about all of the clients that I work with. I'd pick one group of people who are the most valuable, those who, that I enjoyed working with the most or wanted more of because they were the highest value clients. I do a 50-minute focus finder on what are their questions and brainstorm kind of everything that they ask. And what typically you'll find is that the first kind of 20 minutes, you're kind of just listing out, or the first 15 minutes, so you're kind of listing out all of the things that you know about. They're probably the more complicated side of things there. 
the things that are further down the funnel, the things that you deal with every day, not that the service desk deals with or the sales guys deal with or the initial questions that people are asking on your contact form. So you'll get all of the more complicated stuff out of the way first. Then you might kind of sit sat twiddling your thumbs for 15 minutes because you can't think of anything else. And then for the last 15 minutes, you'll start thinking about the next tier that the sit there thinking, okay, if someone's just coming to us, what are they asking? And you'll start thinking about those basic, more basic questions. So by the end of that exercise, and it might be worth doing a second iteration of that and getting that list of questions and sending them to the guys who are on the front line. So the guys who are dealing with people when they're asking those introductory questions and say, hey, this is what I've come up with. What would you add to this list? And then see what you can elaborate. And then from that, just cross out and group together like-minded things, because what you're looking for is the five basic questions that people ask all the time. So this idea of the five by five concept that we've got for some of the books So if you've got a very clear idea of what you want to write, we'll help you do that. If you've got no idea at all, we've got a model that will help you do it. So pick that single target market, find out the five questions that they ask all of the time. From that, think about, okay, well, where do you want to lead them? Knowing that they ask these questions, what's the best next step for them to take? Is it to fill out an assessment or is there a checklist that they can go through that would help them? Do you have a scorecard? Is there a load of content on the website that they really should listen to first before raising their hand? Or is it that they need to come in and talk about these things? And if they do need to come in and talk about these things, how can you name that in a way that's non-threatening? So if your call to action is come in for a free consultation, how other people read at that and interpret that is, okay, come in and I'll try and sell you something and I'll lock the door behind you and maybe I'll open it once you've signed. So how can you name it in a way, like a retirement readiness review or a uh, an floor plan assessment or something that makes it easy? That, sorry, that is, I mean, it's so simple. It's so simple, but you brought, people are scared of those salesy things. I don't want to do those things and you don't think about it, but I would say probably most of our clients, that's how things are set up. That is, I mean, you know, when you change the name of something, it, you know, where you, you're not scared to come into the office. You're not scared to pick up the phone and call. Like, you know, that is so user easy to think of. I mean, that is like, as I look at back covers and look at those next steps, that is definitely something that's going to be at my forefront going forward. Yeah. And it's difficult as well because people think, like you were saying before, I mean, it, you people put so much effort into trying to create the thing that they kind of run out of energy for, okay, well, now what? Like I've got something, but now what? And the same goes with the, with the back cover. So people get hung up on, oh, okay, I need to create all of these other things or invent all of these other things. But that's not the case. It can sometimes be, I mean, at the end of the day, if someone knocked on your door and said, hey, do you have five minutes? I'd really like to talk to you about becoming a client it would be very surprising if you turn them away. And probably 90% of what you talk to them about follows the same pattern every time. So you're going to do this anyway. Why not call it something that just makes it easy and less threatening for people to say, oh, this exists already. Let me just start. So it's really not reinventing the wheel. It's just renaming things that, or packaging things that already exist. It is part of the problem that we've got because we keep the when we look at ourselves 90 minute books in the marketplace, we're very cost effective intentionally compared with a lot of other services, because there's a lot of 
money that's charged for things that don't really move the needle. Perhaps the downside of that is that we don't have a lot of capacity in the budget to do a lot of this stuff for people if like our plan is to keep things moving towards the outcome. And then we have one or two strategy calls built in there, depending on the product, but we don't have, okay, there's an additional months of marketing support afterwards to get all of this set up. And I mean, in 2023, I mean, that's really something that we need to focus on a little bit more for the people who want this problem solved for them. That's definitely something that we can do. And we do it at a one-on-one level. I mean, all of the individual coaching clients that I've got and some ad hoc additional support that we do, but we really need to productize it a little bit more. So again, as you're listening to this and you feel that this is something that's really missing, reach out, drop us a message to support at 90 Minute Books or Stuart at 90 Minute Books. And we don't have just a product page to point you towards, but it'll definitely, we can have a conversation and it might help us define a package. Or the one-on-one coaching might be the best fit as well. I mean, that's obviously the most dialed in for people because it's that dedicated time. Um, Anyway, so back to it. So we've picked the single target markets, the people we want to engage with. We know what their main problems are because we've asked. We know what the logical next step is for them. So now we want to flesh out the book a little bit because we want the book to have the table of contents, which are the signposts leading to this call to action that we know about. So the outline that we want to create Again, if you know what you want to write about, then you'll know that that path. If you don't know what you want to write about, then I would pick the five questions that they always ask and answer those questions. Next, pick the five questions that they should ask. So what are the five things that in an ideal world they would really start thinking about? You know that as a business owner because you've answered those questions a hundred times before. So what you're doing now in the outline is you're engaging people from what they think they're asking. You're giving them some additional value in what they really need to know about and then wrap up the outline by giving them some action steps. So what are the action steps that they can take without needing to deal with you? But how can they evidence for themselves that they're in the right place by taking these action steps. So again, if someone knocked on your door and came in, you'd probably answer their initial questions. You'd give them some more information, the questions that they should be asking. And then you maybe give them some steps or you'd ask them some questions in the meeting that they can evidence to themselves that they're in the right place. Okay, well, let's take a look at your social security statement. Let's take a look at your existing floor plan. Let's take a look at your, you've got a scrapbook there of wedding ideas going back to the florist example that we always use, let's take a look at some of the flowers that you're wanting to pick. That, as the content of the book, that's all you need to do. You don't need to do anything else. What you've got now is a tool that engages people with their questions. So when you're thinking about the top of the funnel, it's what the questions that are around their mind that you can put this book in front of. You've given them five things of value that they really should be asking, things that they perhaps haven't considered. And you're asking them some questions, giving them some homework, giving them some next steps that they can evidence themselves that, yes, they're in the right place. Yes, is an outcome that they want. And yes, you're their trusted advisor in this world because you've given them all this stuff. And you've got a clear call to action, a non-threatening call to action that they can do next. So that's got the book created. So now that we've got the book, we want to think about, okay, the funnels, how can we engage people with this piece of content? So the most obvious is running Facebook ads for the book targeted as much as possible to the group of people who are the clients. When they opt in, 
run a Facebook lead ad. So you capture their email details, you're giving them a copy of the book, an electronic copy of the book in return for those email details. Now you've got a chance to have that autoresponder, that initial sequence over the first few days, which is designed to engage that subset of people who are ready to move today, where today is the day for them. So we've said before on the show that it's the minority of people who are ready to move now and the majority who are ready to move sometime later. But for those people who are ready to go now, we want to engage them. So five emails to be in the sequence, the email delivering them the book. Hey, Betsy, here's a copy of the book. It's a great read. You'll get a lot out of it. The follow-up, on the next morning, hey, Betsy, what business are you in? Hey, Betsy, do you have a wedding venue booked yet? Hey, Betsy, are you retiring in the next five years? That short personal expecting a reply, what we call a spear email, designed to engage those people who are willing to engage immediately. The next email can be something amplifying the content in the book. Hey, Betsy, I sent you a copy of the book a couple of days ago. I actually just got off a call with someone who was talking about wanting to use lilies in their wedding. I realize that a lot of people don't understand that in our climate, they're actually very difficult to come by, but this different type of flower is looks very similar, but is is much more available. I'm struggling a little bit now because I know nothing about flowers. <laughs> Still don't know why we use that as the example all the time. But anyway, something amplifying the content in the book and then referring back to take a look at chapter three, because we talk about local availability. And that's such a key point, because if you're shipping in flowers, it'll either be crazy expensive or they just won't look good because they won't be fresh. Anyway, something amplifying the content in the book. P.S. If you want to jump on a quick call, just let me know. Then you could have something which is maybe kind of like a case study slash testimonial, something amplified, something using the book as the example, but using a real life case study about why it's why it's meaningful and using those people, those individuals as the as the message around the book. But again, referring back to the book. And then the last message, hey, I've got some time next week to to talk about this subject, what the subject is. Are you free on Wednesday? So those five messages, super easy to create, not rocket science, but that's going to engage the people who are there wanting to move immediately. After that, then, and I'm talking a little bit fast because I know we're getting close on time. We need to kind of move through. After that initial set, we've then got the rest of forever. So what can we do the rest of forever to engage those people? And for us, we tell people that a podcast is the easiest thing because a lot of people will send out a newsletter. I recorded an episode of Podcasting Stories yesterday, which is part of the business that we've got that does podcasts specifically for some for some organizations. Anyway, with Dave, I was talking about the whole using a podcast as a reason for sending out an email. And Dave was saying that in some of the sales calls that he's had, he'll talk to people and say, let's just run through an exercise, kind of ideally in your business, how often would you like to send out an email? And they say every month, every week, every two weeks, okay, how often do you send out an email? Well, I mean, it was probably like six months ago, the last time we did it. Because too many organizations think about that regular email as being newsletters. And some organizations will buy newsletter templates from a provider, or sometimes they'll have people writing newsletters, but they're all in this HTML format it's just like ad blindness to background ads. People just don't engage with that type of content. 
a podcast, and they're paying thousands of dollars to get this done as well, a podcast for the same cost or less, you've got the opportunity to weekly or fortnightly or monthly create something which is very organic, very engaging. It builds rapport because you can actually see and interact with the person. And all of that unique content is more content that you can build. So for the long term, the flagship broadcast, for the way to stay in touch with people, record a podcast. It doesn't have to be on Zoom like this. It can just be audio. Find someone to do it with or invite guests, past clients, people in your sphere of influence, other experts. Record something. It doesn't have to be, although the time always goes fast. So, I mean, we're closing in on 50 minutes now and really it goes very quick, but it doesn't need to be more than half an hour. That gives you content that you can send out every month, every fortnight, every week with a link back to the show and a PS of, hey, if you're ready to get started, just hit reply and we can go from there. Okay, so now you've got the flagship broadcast in place. And again, there's levels below all of these things, but a strategy level, book based on what their questions are being asked, also respond a sequence to engage the people who are ready to go now, flagship broadcast to engage everyone infinitum to the future. And then the next opportunity you've got, which is what we started talking about, is this opportunity to create more content from the book. So the table of contents in this model that we just talked about, there's five questions they ask, five questions that they should ask, and five action steps they can take. Now, from each of those, you could probably write at least two relatively short articles about each of those points. So now we've got 30 pieces of content from the stuff that you've already written, each one of them referring back to, hey, if you want to learn more about this, then just head over to bookdomain.com and grab a free copy of the book. But you've got 30 long, long form, medium form pieces of content that you can put across multiple sources. So that's more than two a week. No, it's not. It's more than the other way around. Sorry, it's more than two a month that you've got 30 pieces and more than two a month. I'd suggest trying to get to 52 pieces. So you've got one a week, but start with start with 25, 26. So at least you've got one every fortnight. And now you've got a regular way of pushing that stuff out to social media. You've got a podcast as well that's generating new content. This stuff that you're creating, the der- derivative work that you're easily creating is more emails that you can send out as well as pushing to social media, as well as using the Frank Kern trick of the audience building from these Ogilvy-esque or success nine would email-esque emails. And it's all not AI generated. It's all generated from what you've created. If you then want to multiply it even more, you could use the AI, use ChatGTP to put those short form content put those derivative emails into chat GTP, ask it to create a variation or say, tell me more about this or tell me more about this with references. And then that will go out and from your derivative piece of work, create even more derivations of that. So then if you're looking to create 52 pieces from the 30 that you've created, again, it's so simple and straightforward to do. All of this is evergreen. And all of this is something that other people are going to start doing. So if you don't do it now, your competition is going to do it and you're going to be playing catch up or get left behind. So So 
I'm losing my voice, which is usually a sign that I've talked enough. But that as a model is something that is very straightforward. I say very straightforward. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. There's a strategy there that you can do. It's just time or resources to do it. No, I think this, that information this last few minutes has been extremely valuable. It is very simple. You know, I, we're just always thinking so big and we're thinking lots of people and lots of production. And it really doesn't have to be that way, you know. And I think you've just shown the, you know, the listeners exactly, you know, something else to think about and not to be so overwhelmed by it all, you know. Right. And you're exactly. Right. It's going to be interesting to see 2023 what happens. And, you know, I love these talks because people will reference them six, eight months down the road. Right. Well, I know so-and-so they're doing this and now I've got to do it. And so that urgency starts to, to pick up, you know, right. from other well, people. I'll tell you what, if you're listening to this in six, eight months time or six, eight months a year, then welcome. And believe me, today is the day <laughs> to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the old analogy of, the best time to plant an oak tree was 100 years ago. The second best time is today. So if you're listening to this as it goes live at the beginning of January, then, hey, just pull the trigger because this, I mean, the rang's on the wall. If you are listening to this years down the track, then, hey, start today. If you're calling Betsy up and saying, hey, I listened to this six months ago, then, well, congratulations for making the call. But now you want to pull your finger out and get cracking. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, let's wrap there then. I mean, there's more than enough for people to be going on with. If people want to steal this idea and do it themselves, then fantastic. I mean, they should do. If people want us to do this for them, we don't have a product that's off the shelf that I can just say, go to this landing page and here's a product that you can buy. But this is something that we're very seriously looking at as a capability amplifier. So there's a decent chunk of work along with doing this. It's not a cheap option, but it's not an expensive option. And particularly when you think about the lifetime value of a client for most people listening to this is in the thousands, if not tens of thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands. So paying us to do this work to get it done is definitely worthwhile. So reach out Stuart at 90 Minute Books. If you're interested in us doing this for you, we can jump on a call and strategize what that might look like. If you're listening to this and you don't have a book and this whole model is something that you're interested in, again, reach out to Stuart at at 90 Minute Books and the start to end model is something that we can talk about as well. Because yeah, I really think this is a very exciting opportunity to stay ahead of the content tsunami that's coming. Agree. Very good. Perfect. All righty. Well, Thanks for your time again. Super excited to be doing this on video now. It's a little bit more engaging than just audio. But thanks everyone for listening as well. If you've got any other feedback or comments or any questions, just again, shoot it to either support at 90 Minute Books or Stuart at 90 Minute Books and we'll pick those up. And happy new year. And we'll see you in the next one. Take care.